Hello and welcome to the Nintendo Switch UK podcast. I'm Al. Uh, I'm not Mike, but uh, we did have Mike and he had several technical issues recording episode 104. So I'm afraid you're stuck with me. And Anton. Uh, Hi, Anton. And me. I am, I'm also not Mike. Um, very not, in fact. Uh, but you know, uh, he is sadly uh, not with us, uh, although very stressed and with us, uh, with us in spirit nonetheless. But yeah, I, we, you know, we've said this in a couple cuts that uh, sadly never made the air, but it is insane to be back with the podcast and to be thinking that the Switch is four years old now. Four year anniversary this week and we're still trucking along with our little wee podcast. I know. Four years? That can't be right. Four years? I know we were talking about it having a birthday this week, but it can't be four. 2017, jeez. You know, it sort of feels like last year just kind of didn't happen. Last year was a non-event, therefore the Switch is only three in my brain. It, it can't be four. And by that yeah. logic, actually all of us are a year younger too. I like this logic. I'm running with it. Absolutely. And you know, it's weird because those early years of the Switch, the Switch was like... You know, the scrappy little upstart. It only had like two games and everybody was playing Bomberman or Zelda. Uh, now it's got every game under the sun and they're they're finally actually putting EA games on this console, which uh, who would have saw that coming a couple years back? <laughs> I know. And one of these days we might even get a proper uh, FIFA game. Yeah, no, that's not mm. going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. But have you been playing the Switch much this week? Uh, I have to admit, not that much. I have done a little bit. I've, I've played a little bit of my uh, was it Gran Turismo on the PlayStation. And this weekend, I have played actually a couple of games of Mario Kart with my partner and my son. And uh, well, it's, it's lovely, actually, because he's been playing Mario Kart on and off for a while. But he, he's, getting, he's getting incrementally better at it. He's only five and a half, but now he's consistently coming about ninth, tenth in every single race he does. The odd little sort of blip up the way where he managed to make it into maybe sixth or seventh. But he's definitely getting better. He's improving. And it's just lovely to see. Ah. So what about you? What have you been playing? Oh, so, uh, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of Switch, a little bit of Switch adjacent. Um, obviously, Switch, uh, you know, always sticking in there with the Animal Crossing, doing a bit here and there. Had a good games night where I visited somebody's island. Uh, but I think some of the highlights of this week is I did pick up the demo for Balan Wonderland. Uh, although, thanks to the recommendation of Mike, I did give the Switch port a miss because apparently the port is dreadful. And, you know, Going at it with the Xbox Series X, I thought, given this game the best chance it has to succeed, and my god, it disappointed me. And, you know, I love the work Yuji Naka does, Nights into Dreams, Sonic, um, Chibi Rocket, uh, that sort of title. You know, great guy, but this game is a bit of a mess. The gameplay's just not fun, a bit of a mess. You know, had a spectacular cutscene with beautiful music and tons of flair and style, uh, but you get into the game and, you know, even just graphically, you'd go into one area and, you know, it would have these gorgeous textures on the ground. You're like, that grass looks fantastic, even though the rest of the world's a little bit barren. Then you'd go into other bits and it had textures that looked like they were ripped out of a PS2 game. It was just, you know, really mixed up quality and just a bit of a, a real shame, Al. I just, I don't understand what's going on with it. Because, I mean, that game's due to be released on something like the 26th of March. I mean, that's only, from when yeah. we're recording, about two weeks away, something like that. It's really not far away. So w- was this... An accident? Did they not mean to put this out? Did they put sort of a really early beta or some random version out instead of the real game? I just, why would a team with so much expertise and knowledge behind them put something this, I'm not, I don't want to use the word broken, but actually it's maybe not a bad word for it, out to the public for scrutiny? It, just, it doesn't make sense. 
It almost reminds me a little bit of Mighty Number no. 9. You know, it's got that 3D art style and it just feels a little bit more, you know, too ambitious for its own good. But thankfully, a game I did play and really enjoyed was a game called Fogs, which is kind of a game where you play as a two-headed dog that's kind of a snake and you extend and you get long and it's a two-player co-op puzzle game. Really fun, really charming. The first level, I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I got into the second world and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. My partner, I think, loved it more than myself. Um, great title, although I think for the twenty two ninety nine they're charging for it, it's a bit much. I think if it was maybe like eleven ninety nine, maybe like eighteen pounds at max, it would be a you know absolutely go get it. It's fantastic two player, but sadly, I think how much they're charging for it, it's not quite worth it though. Wow, I remember when that came out. It was sort of tail end of last year, wasn't it? And I remember thinking it yeah. was really good fun, but I had not realised that's how much they were charging for it. Definitely one to watch for uh, appearing in the sales, I think, is probably our advice. Absolutely. And I, I, to be honest, I think uh, yourself and your partner would have a lot of fun with it. It's, um, I don't know, it's just kind of got that kind of nice casual vibes of, you know, an untitled goose game. You know, there's nothing where if you're not going quick enough, it'll fall apart. It's just really charming and there's also little wee costumes you can buy so i'm technically a cat now although uh, i still bark <laughs> uh, and breathe like a dog but we, we won't get into the nitty gritty there <laughs> i'm gonna assume when you say costume you can buy this is with in-game currency it's not a microtransaction uh, thankfully so and they're, they're quite generous with the the bones which is their currency so um honestly if i've seen anything i've been able to buy it and i haven't really been saving at all which is quite handy you Excellent. Oh, sounds like you've had a very good gaming week. Speaking of good gaming week, shall we jump into the news? Absolutely. Tell us the people want to know. So, the first game we've got coming up this week is from KT Racing. They have announced WRC 9, the official game, is coming to Nintendo Switch on the 11th of March. I do like a good uh, racing game, and, well, I like a good rally game, but the last iteration of this was a bit of a disappointment from memory. What do you think this one's going to bring, Anton? Yeah, you know, I'm exactly with you. You know, KT uh, Racing, I've really picked a week uh, for Mike being off the podcast uh, because I think we're both in a position where we really want this game to be good. I was recently playing, not on the Switch, so I didn't mention it, Dirt 5 this week. And I was sitting there, I was like, oh, I miss the good old Colin McRae games. But yeah, you know, I believe this is currently out on PlayStation at the moment uh, and Xbox. And it's gotten good reviews, but it was, you know, WRC 8. The Switch port was poor, so I'm hoping with a year to maybe refine their engine because they are a team of iterative improvement over uh, groundbreaking new games. So I'm really hoping it's better, but I think we're going to have to wait for the reviews here. Yeah, I think so. And the, the uh, I just had a look on Nintendo Life, actually, who, if you don't go on Nintendo Life, they're a very good website. Um, they were looking at the last version versus the current version, and apparently their sister... Um, website push square which i presume is a playstation version uh they gave the new one eight out of ten stars nintendo life gave the last one five out of ten stars so they do have some ground to cover but they did note uh, in there that actually the last game on the playstation was pretty good and it was more the switch port had technical difficulties so let's see if they managed to improve their porting this time around will we absolutely because i think we would both appreciate a good rally game on the switch especially since uh, i don't really see us getting a new Colin mccray anytime soon no, no. Uh, may he rest in peace. Stairway Games have announced Coral Island for the Nintendo Switch. This is a Kickstarter on. Indeed. It is very much like a uh, Stardew Valley meets the art sale of Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, it's 
done fantastic. Funded in three days. It originally had a goal of like 70,000 and it's hit like 1.6 million, which the numbers these Kickstarters are hitting is absolutely insane. But I, I can kind of see why you would fall in love with it. It's, you know, I, I think we're neither of us are particularly a Stardew fan. But as somebody who isn't, this looks like a fairly s- solid Stardew style game. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it probably does. I mean, I I want to play Stardew, but I have never done so, and I don't really know. I, I couldn't look at a game. Oh yes, that that looks like Stardew, just simply because I'm aware the game exists. I'm a, I'm aware of the fact that everyone thinks it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and so I want to play it. But it's got uh, it's got all the usual I'm gonna say tropes of a farming sim in that you build a farm, you plant crops, you do all that good stuff you go off and you buy supplies you romance other characters every single other box seems to be ticked but i can't help looking at these and going where's the demand for this because we've had basically these games free to play on mobile for the better part of the last 10 years or so probably more than that by now surely everyone must be sick to death of farming sims but there's clearly a huge demand out there you bring up a fantastic point because you know I know a lot of people love these games and they put in hundreds and, you know, maybe thousands of hours into, let's say, Stardew alone. But we are in an environment where we've got Harvest Moon, we have uh, Foringer, we have the Story of Seasons. So for a very niche genre, it is becoming a little bit crowded, but hopefully Coral Island has enough to kind of push it aside because it is lovely to see it as a kind of upcoming indie darling with slightly better av- graphics than the average, I would say. Yeah, I mean, look at it. It's very cute. It's got a nice little art style. I particularly enjoy the cross-eyed chicken that seems to be wandering around mm. in some of the videos that they make. <laughs> that, there's something about that that just massively appeals to me. Um, so, yeah, it's it's coming to just about every single platform by the look of it. Uh, and the Switch is no different. With a bit of luck, we'll get it on the Switch at the same time as all the other uh, releases. But I guess time's to tell. It's got an estimated delivery of, I think it's October this year or thereabouts. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The way, the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out The Gaming Blender on all your favourite podcast platforms now. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, hopefully we get it soon because it was technically a stretch goal, which once it's a stretch goal, you never quite know. But, you know, I to be honest, I think this game will feel right at home alongside Story of Seasons and Harvest Moon on the Nintendo Switch. So hopefully we get it nice and early. Indeed, indeed. All right, let's move on to our next game, which comes courtesy of Digirati Distribution. They've announced Signs of the Sojourner for the Nintendo Switch, a narrative-focused card game coming out on the 18th of March. This one has, well, I'm going to say, a unique art style and by the look of it, almost a yeah. unique gameplay style. Yeah, you know, this is a, a kind of underrated but really good team. They helped bring Snakey Bus to Nintendo Switch just last year. And, you know, I'm really keen on this game. It's a kind of card-based game, but where I think it deviates from other card-based games is, you know, in a lot of other titles, you know, you have all these cards and these decks and they have their effects. 
And a lot of it is either reading, you know, a blurb on the bottom of the card or learning what each of the thousands of cards does. This is slightly different where the cards kind of interlink to each other and have effects on the cards next to them. So you have like a row of five cards where you place them in the row, uh, changes their characteristics. So I'm quite keen on that because it, you know, I think that's the barrier of the entry. You know, if you were to pick up, let's say, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Hearthstone, there's hundreds of thousands of cards with different effects and relationships to each other and, you know, generally just so much going on there. But having it be more about the relationship between the cards and how they affect each other makes it a little bit more easier to pick up and a little bit more friendly. Um, But yeah, the story looks to be where it's at with this title. It really does. I mean, this is very much a story-driven card game. And it's although you are building decks, it doesn't necessarily fit into, or it doesn't seem to fit into the mold of your traditional um, deck building game. I mean, the whole the whole story is that you, you've, somebody, uh, one relative of your family, I think, has died and you, you inherit their shop and you've got to go away and fill it with stock and try and make it a success. And the whole story revolves around building relationships with suppliers, I think, around the world. And the cards you play are played to influence conversations and try and win people over to your point of view, which is just a fascinating idea. I have never seen a card game do this before, and admittedly, it's not my genre, so they might well exist out there. But this is the first one that's come across sort of my my desk that seems to have utilised this particular way of playing cards. Wonderful, wonderful idea, and yeah, very, very stylish. I mean, this game has been, it's been yeah everywhere. It's got so many awards. It's, on their little trailer at the beginning, they have uh, you know one of these splash screens where it got uh, best game of twenty twenty from Paste Magazine, best indie game of twenty twenty, Get Indie Gaming, and a whole load of them. There's sort of seven on that screen there. It's uh, a bit of an indie darling. Oh wow! Um, yeah, honestly, I wasn't expecting it when I stumbled across this title, but I'm generally quite excited for this because I won't lie. That's the thing that puts me off a lot of card games. Like I've learned one of them, and there's just so much to learn about any card game but just being able to pick this one up and it's got the light right level of involvement for the story to i think be engaging i think if you're just playing card games in a void and there's no stakes then you know it's hard to get invested similarly if it is just like you're saving the kingdom with these magical cards it's a little bit abstract but i think the level of integration between the narrative and the gameplay i'm quite keen on that i'd love to uh, pick it up when it comes out yeah, absolutely. Well, it's coming out, weirdly, actually, it's it's got a weird sandwiched release. It's coming out on the 18th of March, but it's coming out on the 17th for the PS4 and the 19th for the Xbox One. I have no idea what that's all about. But if you want to go and uh, put a pre-order in, you'll get a 20% discount at the moment. So feel free to go and check that one out. Uh, next, we've got, well, this is an interesting sounding game. Uh, it, it's been described as a first-person meditation quest. Uh, sometimes you has announced In Rays of the Light for Nintendo Switch, which I think is a remake of the 2012 game, isn't it? Um, I'm not too sure about the remake factor, but it is interesting how they describe the title, Med- Meditation Quest. Honestly, I think it's probably closer to a walking sim than anything. It's a little bit more captivating. There's a lot more going on. There's a lot more elements kind of flying around. Um, it does look fairly nice and fairly pretty as a Switch game, but I think when it comes down to these walking games, you really need to try them to believe them. You know, it's all about the world building and the story and the lore, which is delivered very slowly. Not the best thing to communicate via a trailer, sadly. 
Not so much. I mean, I've, I've watched the trailer, and yes, Walking Sim, and there are a few bits in there when, despite the fact there is literally nothing scary in it, I got quite scared watching that trailer. There's some very, very um, foreboding and menacing environments in there with dark, lots of shadows and flickering lights, and it's... Yeah, I, I got a bit nervous. I'm not going to uh, deny this. It, it was a bit of a scary looking game. And there's obviously sort of elements of the rapture and what are going on in there. Yeah, I'm just kind of quick look. It's a remake of the 2012 game, The Light. There you go. Oh, uh, perfect. So there we are. We're, we're now kind of informed. Educated. Educated <laughs> men is what we are. So yeah, if you're interested in walking sims, particularly ones that have um, slightly scary bits in them, Go check yeah. it out. It's coming out on the seventeenth of March, and on the Switch, if you pre-order it, it's five seventy-five at the moment. Uh, you know that's a fair price. I think when the the walking sims charge a little bit too much, it's like, all right, you need to have like at least a gun or like a touching button. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, and not in a weird way, of course. <laughs> Come on, Mike's not in the podcast. We're not allowed to make jokes like that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Shintaro Furukawa has shared an, an interview um, with is it, well, Cloud Streaming. No, sorry, I'm going to try that again. Shintaro Furukawa shares in an interview on Cloud Streaming that it is not a top priority, but they're always researching technologies. Now, this sounds really familiar. I could have sworn he said something about this last year that was almost identical. Yep, I, I think uh, this is Nintendo stance to almost all technology, unless it's especially weird and up their alley. Um, you know, they'll do it when uh, they can basically just outsource it to a company, I think. I think um, whenever it comes time for Nintendo to go cloud, you know, they'll literally just, you know, hire somebody like, you know, it could be, um, you know, I'm trying to think, what's uh, the company they're partnered with? Uh, Tencent. They'll just go to Tencent and be like, can we just borrow your cloud infrastructure? We'll put some Nintendo games on it. We'll make a weird, funky Nintendo box that we sell for £100 and that will be your gateway into Nintendo. Uh, I don't think they're going to be building it bespoke. And considering Nintendo's track record, I think that's probably for the better that they don't build their bespoke game streaming service. Given their track record, you're probably right, yes. Although, having said <laughs> that, I mean, Nintendo do do sneaky things. They quite often say, oh, things aren't a top priority. Oh, no, we're not working on it. And then the next week, they'll suddenly announce that exact product that they've been working on for the last three years. So I'm sort of inclined to go, okay, that could be smoke emitters. Who knows? <laughs> it would be weird. But at the end of the day, we've all got Switches. We're portable. It doesn't really bother us. Absolutely. You know, in, in many ways, I think possibly leaning really hard. Maybe maybe once we've got 5G affordable and like a £200 switch, it could be different. But putting a huge emphasis on streaming on a console that is completely mobile might not be in the cards for Nintendo right now. But maybe with a Switch 2, if they could fit 5G in there, it might be a thing that we're looking at with uh, more optimism. Yeah, who knows? Uh, all right, our next uh, item is about E3. Anton, tell me about E3. When's it happening? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it appears to be a, a little bit cancelled, which uh, only if people on a, a British UK podcast about Nintendo Switch could have warned them about this. Uh, that would be amazing, <laughs> Al. <laughs> I know. Maybe they were listening to our podcast a couple of weeks ago and went, oh, maybe we should cancel it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we basically said it would be cancelled because I remember we were chatting about how they were charging six-figure sums for people to have their live stream at E3. It was bound to fail. It it was an awful idea to begin with. Oh, it was just an absolute nonsense. But yeah, it has been... Is, is, that, is it officially confirmed by them or is it just from the Los Angeles Convention and Tourism Development Commission that's yeah, it cancelled? 
just just by um, the LA convention people, but it is quite funny when this news broke, the Summer Games Fest, which really thrived last year, hosted by Jeff Keighley, just basically acting as a Twitter page section together. Uh, they were just tweeting like, we're back in business for 2021. And um, honestly, if you're excited for anything this year, highly recommend going to their website. They have like a feed where you can download a calendar um, from the Summer Game Fest and it'll basically add like whenever E3, uh, not E3, Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, whoever, Devolver Digital and I'll put their conferences in your calendar for you. So E3 will still go on, but in a slightly more convenient form, I think. Yeah, let's let's just see what happens over that one. Whether anyone's willing to pay E3 for anything in the future or not, who knows? <laughs> um, uh, okay, well, next we've got uh, well, we've got some news on Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. Anton? Yeah. Uh, so, um, if you go to retailers such as Game, Amazon, obviously, if you are interested, go quickly because we don't know how long this will last, but... Uh, I feel like this might be for a wee bit. They have dropped the price of Mario Kart Live Home Circuit to £30 down to 100 which, uh, you know, for most video game companies wouldn't be major news, but I think for Nintendo, uh, that doesn't bode well. And I think the fact that we run a Nintendo Switch UK podcast, I don't know anybody within our lovely community that's actually picked up this title. Yeah, and I, that's I quite troubling some. <laughs> I was just, I mean, I, I've been negative about this game since the beginning. It's just such a, a weird niche thing. Most people's homes are not set up for setting a, a race track around it. In all the trailers, they had these big, beautiful open homes with wooden floors everywhere and virtually no furniture, and it worked just fine. But in a real house, there's furniture and there's carpets and there's boxes and there's toys and there's... It just doesn't work. And half the time, people in Britain's properties are not like American mansions that are just huge sprawling spaces. They don't have the space for these things. I just, it was, in my opinion, not Nintendo's greatest idea, but it was a fun little thing to chuck out there. And I suspect it might get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, but yeah, I might be wrong. Honestly, I think it's just, um, at what point can it just be worth it for the price of the go-kart? That's basically where we're at. And, you know, it's amazing. Even when our community was a little bit smaller, I think we had more people picking up that Ubisoft Starlink title that had, like, the little wee Fox McCloud plane in it. And people were just buying it to put on their shelf than we have had people buying this title, which is a real shame. Obviously, Nintendo loves their innovation. Uh, but I'm excited to get, like, a cheap go-kart for £50, maybe. maybe. I mean, I think <laughs> one really cool use for it, if... if uh the weather gets better and when restrictions are locked are lifted we can all go out onto the street how cool would it be to take all these very quiet streets now and turn them into little racetracks that would be so much fun actually actually you know what i'm thinking about is like for maintenance guys like you know if there's a little wee bit you can't really get you know under the stairs or in the lofts fire that up you've got the camera put a flashlight in it it could be a, a real utility tool they could repurpose it yeah it's probably cheaper than buying a gopro and strapping it to a real remote control car why not yeah that's you know, Nintendo, they're getting into the enterprise space. We didn't really see the full picture until now. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Well, Nintendo, if you're listening, there you go. That's how you need to market that product. Get that stock gone and forget the thing ever existed. Um, all right, moving on. Epic Games, who, well, let's face it, I think we all know who Epic Games are and we all know their uh, amusing struggles in the media with Apple at the moment. But they've been on a spending spree and required uh, Mediatonic, the team that created Fall Guys. That's exciting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Obviously, we're starting to get a picture now of what Epic's games portfolio is starting to look like. They obviously have Fortnite, they have Rocket League, and they have Fall Guys. Um, 
it's going to be interesting because when they acquired Rocket League, they rebooted it. They made it free to play. Um, they rejigged the kind of progression system, loot boxes, and rechanged the whole game. So I wonder under the eyes of Epic Games whether or not they would change it to, let's say, a free-to-play game, change the monetization, um, how they would change the structure of it there. And as, as well as that, I wonder how the rights work, because obviously Devolver Digital was the publisher for that game. So I don't know what exactly they're buying when they buy uh, Mediatonic. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting to see how it pans out, eh? That's a good point. I hadn't actually thought about that. The fact that they bought the company and the team, but not necessarily the publisher. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Which, I wonder what the situation was with um, Rocket League then. Hmm. Yeah, so I think Rocket League was self-published. So when they bought it, they had the full rights. Um, who knows? It might be by buying Mediatonic, they have the full IP. Sometimes that's held at the publisher level. Sometimes it's not. Um, who knows? It might just be a case of they can do whatever they want with the title but it has to go through Devolver, or maybe that's a contract that can be unsevered fairly easy with Epic's Games' large, very expensive pockets. Now I'm in a um, quandary, because obviously we've just had it announced for the Switch, and I was all ready to run out and buy it, but now it might turn free to play, and then I would regret having bought it. Oh, mm. dude, this is not good. Yeah, I think uh, go for a nice shiny physical edition that we can flip the day the news comes out. That's my tactic. Uh, CX will be getting a very quick trade-in, depending on how it goes. <laughs> well, I imagine, to be fair, it would take a wee while to rejig the thing. So even if you are planning on buying it or have put a pre-order in, it's probably still worth keeping hold of that for now. Moving on, uh, Nintendo's Twitter... Uh, what's that? New Nintendo Twitter ad promotes the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword's button-only control system. Oh, well, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's funny. They're really going hard on promoting the fact that you don't need motion controls, which, to be honest, I think is wise because, you know, if you just skimmed the original announcement, you would be fully convinced that, you know, it is designed and you will be using your Joy-Cons and motion controls. But with all the Switch lights in the world, and I think with all the people out there that don't want to use motion controls, uh, I think promoting this as the definitive way to play it without motion controls is maybe a slightly smarter move this time around oh for goodness sake yes i'm so glad they got rid of motion controls and i'm very 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 glad that they're using that as part of their marketing i i just hated motion controls it's one of the main reasons why i didn't like playing most games on the wii because they forced you to use motion controls to this day i don't like motion control if i'm playing mario kart i turn off the motion controls i just don't like them i want a stick and a button that's all i want i know i'm an old grumpy soul but still just yeah, honestly, I think that the entire time we had motion controls, it was all a beta for once we got VR and there was actually a purpose for them. <laughs> That's yes, very insightful, very insightful indeed. <laughs> uh, it was the master plan. <laughs> well, speaking of the Wii, or more specifically, its successor, the Wii U, it's had a firmware update. Yeah, this is kind of out of the blue. So, you know, I think it's clear to observe here we're getting a Wii U 2. Uh, the Switch was just reminding people how awesome Nintendo is so they can come back swinging with the Wii U free. Uh, it's going to be highly revolutionary and we're living in the future. Apparently, honestly, uh, on a seriously note, uh, it is just stability updates. I have a feeling how oh, this is maybe related to the fact that they're changing the Nintendo Switch online server system, uh, maybe just making it at least intercompatible or so it doesn't collapse inwards on itself with this new system they're introducing with all these new games, but... Uh, Nothing. Nothing meaningful so far. Yeah, well, that's... I'm just amazed that they're paying it any service. I 
I mean, it's, it's, just, it's obviously further improvements to the system stability and other minor adjustments we made to enhance the user experience. The only reason I can think they'd be pushing out a random patch at this point in its life is someone has hacked it and there was a major security flaw that they've had to very quickly go and patch. Mm. Otherwise, why would they bother? It is an interesting one. And, you know, I know the the Switch is fairly well jailbroken at this point. So uh, they're, they're clearly not worried about the Wii U's piracy, but it could have had something that, you know, poked holes into the general Nintendo infrastructure as we uh, did learn once we were starting to get updates to Nintendo Switch Online services as it is shared between the 3DS, Wii U and Switch. Uh, so that's very possible. But it's, um, I've got to say, given Nintendo credit, they have been fantastic for supporting these games. I saw a video recently talking about how the older versions of Call of Duty and how they're running currently. And, you know, you can buy games like Black Ops 2 on the PS3 and it'll physically not boot up anymore. The PS3's version is that broken. It won't get you to a title screen or anything. Wow. Where on the Wii U, you can literally just boot up and you know, play Black Ops 2 the, the way God intended. Um, so Nintendo, you know, I think they do look after their older consoles and, you know, once they do retire them, isn't just like a cutting off the ties and maybe um you know sear them a little so they're they're not bleeding <laughs> oh man that is that is an image and i think <laughs> on that image we'll move on to our next story indeed <laughs> so uh, melvin i'm gonna guess his name might be tu chow t-e-o i tau Let's go with that. Either way, he's from PopCap Games, uh, and he was a creator behind the Plants vs. Zombies Battle for the Neighborhood of our Neighborville Complete Edition, and he shared details on how they ported the Frostbite engine over to the Switch, saying that it was a massive technical undertaking. Uh, he said he remembered when they first started, they managed to get the game up uh, to boot up and run, and it hit sort of two or three frames a second. He said it was like a slideshow, and they had a lot of work to do. Apparently the four gigs of Switch RAM was the main limitation. That is... That is some technical achievement to get from two or three frames per second up to a smoothly running game. How on earth did they do that? Absolutely. And, you know, it's amazing that EA has finally been worn down to make this decision. Obviously, the entire existence of the Switch, EA's excuse for not bringing games to the console, or at least not bringing contemporary titles to the console, has been that the Frostbite engine wasn't built with the Switch in mind. But, you know... I think this is probably a genius move, starting with a more simplistic games game like uh, Plants vs. Zombie for the test bed for porting this engine. And th- with this news, the rumor mill has been going wild, speculating of what this could mean. Because, you know, this means we could go ahead and later on get a FIFA game that runs non-legacy. Because that's uh, the reason is, is they have the legacy version that runs on the old engine, new version that runs on Frostbite. You know, the, the world's full of possibilities now that they've taken this effort to go ahead and finally get the engine up and running. It is, it is indeed. And we will, I suspect, probably end up talking about that again in the rumours section later on, Ooh. which we're actually hurtling towards with great, great speed. And amazingly, we might potentially have Mike joining us for that. He thinks he may have fixed some of his technical issues, but let's see if he manages to uh, to join us. Uh, all right, well, our next story, before we get on to the rumours, uh, concerns Orlando World, Super Nintendo World. Ooh, that's exciting. When are we oh, getting yes. this? Oh, yeah, you know, immediately in uh, 2025. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, so <clears throat> say that delayed again? it a little. <laughs> uh, 2025, we're getting it. Uh, which is not surprising that they would delay it. Um, apparently, it's to adjust to the pandemic. Who would have guessed? And, yeah, apparently, as well as that, they're kind of expecting it might take um, Universal a wee while to restaff because, from the sounds of it, they've just laid people off, um, which not the greatest move. Uh, but 
they do need staff for this eventually. So hopefully, what well, to be honest, I, I can't be surprised they didn't stagger them a little bit more to begin with because this does give them a little bit of time to you know look at the Japanese launch, look at the Japanese theme park, and maybe make some refinements that they can re-implement uh, into the Orlando one. Much it's a shame because I, I think if I was going to go to any of them, it probably would have been the Orlando one first. Uh, but hey ho, live and let learn. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. And to be fair, it's maybe not a bad thing, as you say. If they can learn from their experience in Japan uh, and improve the whole thing, then sure, that that's it's only a good thing. Although I wonder how much of it's already set in stone, how much is changeable. Who knows? Time will tell. Watch this space. All right, our last news item of this segment. No More Heroes and No More Heroes 2 Desperate Struggle are getting physical releases. Thanks to our friends over at Limited Run Games. We do love a good physical release, don't we? Absolutely, and you know, they've got fairly snazzy big old collector's editions if you're into that as well, which will cost way too much for my fragile eyeballs to to muster looking at. But nevertheless, very exciting, and I believe they're retailing at $35 if you are interested. Of course, there will be shipping and postage if you're getting it to our UK site. Uh, But you know, I'm just happy these exist, and to be honest, I'm surprised they've not got a more general availability. Um, you know, I could have easily have seen this selling on the shelves of game if they sell existed. It probably could have, but I guess that's not really Limited Run's modus operandi, is it? They do like to do small batch games, for want of a better phrase, and it works. It works very Absolutely. well for them. They sell out, and as uh, as a collector, you know all too well that that means products appreciate and collectors like to buy these things. They will make probably lots of money and make lots of people very happy in doing so. That brings us swiftly on to... The rumours where, let's see if Mike can join us. Now, I'm not normally one for gossip, but... Yes, (laughs) it's time for rumours. And just out of nowhere, my voice has appeared. Muchos apologies um, about uh, all the technical difficulties this evening. Thank you for sticking around. And thank you for your wonderful hosting, uh, Anton and Al. You've both been fantastic. So thank you very much for that. Uh, Al, I'll let you continue on. I'm just going to be... I'm going to switch with you now and let you continue on and not come in and bully my way oh, into I wish you could do an impression actual switch that was really good actually but I can't that was terrible <laughs> alright well our first rumour we've Probably kind of bad. already touched on this it was it, the fact that the Frostbite engine is now on Switch the rumour mill is going overboard what other games would we like to see obviously the, the, the main one that people are talking about is a non-legacy version of FIFA but there's so many games that EA have pushed out on using that Frostbite engine what, what else do you think we might get what's the internet saying I really want to see um, Star Wars what, uh, Battle, what's it called again? The online Battlefront. I'd love to see that. I'd also love to see a Madden game um, because we don't really have a proper American football game. Same as the NHL games as well. So they're, they're, and certainly Madden is Frostbite Engine. I know that's one of the reasons they said they weren't able to do it yet. Um, so I think... I think we might see this opening up. Obviously, it depends on one of the other rumours that we're going to be talking about. But I do think that I can see this um, moving towards some of those kind of big titles. I've had a lot of these titles on the Wii U and the Wii, just different versions of them. And and I know we've got, you know, a a FIFA. Uh, Less said about that, the better. But do you feel that this will open it up a bit? Absolutely. And... You know, I think it would be lovely to, you know, predict and dream of a, a battlefield, but it's slightly on the more intense side. But one thing I could see making its way over would be the need for speed titles. 
you know, there, to be honest, I paid Need for Speed, uh, I believe it's Heat, the most recent one. And, you know, it was a good looking game, but it wasn't, you know, Battlefield good looking. And, you know, on the Switch, I think you could cut that back a little and still get a fairly meaningful and impactful experience without that spectacle. Uh, and obviously, it would be nice as it would last a, a good while of time. But if you had to put your money on anything else, what would be your, your go-to title that you could take? If I had to put my money on it, that's actually a really good question. I don't know. I know the, what the games I would like. I'd love them to bring Dragon Age Inquisition because it was one of the early Frostbite mm. engine games and, and it struggled to use the engine. But that game came out in like 2014. It's it's quite old now. So it should, in theory, be one that we might manage to run. And for Mike, you probably might want uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. I know it wasn't sort of one of the core oh, games. Oh, yes, but that yes. Ran on the Frostbite uh, to be engine honest, too. I didn't even think about that, but, but you're absolutely right. I mean, Andromeda um, would be fantastic because I think... Andromeda is a kind of game that maybe didn't get the uh, recognition it deserved in a lot of ways because people were waiting for something to do with those first three games, and obviously it was a slightly different direction, different story. So, yeah, absolutely, I'd be I'd be keen for that. Absolutely. Well, our next rumor is one that we we hear so so often, and I think we pretty much talked about almost this exact same rumor last week, but with a slight tweak. So, um, Bloomberg uh, are again talking about the Switch. Pro. So they obviously successfully leaked the Switch Lite uh, and their, the latest details that have come out are that the new Switch is going to have a bigger 7-inch 720 Samsung OLED screen with thinner bezels. So if it's an OLED panel, I mean the benefit of that is you're going to, it's going to be brighter and sharper, but it's going to consume less battery and offer a higher contrast and potentially a faster response time compared to the current liquid crystal one. So, I mean, these are all things we've heard before. We've heard it's going to do 4K when it's docked, uh, probably via DLSS. But it's just, it's more reinforcement of the same message, which kind of just leads you to think, yep, yeah, it's it's coming, it's coming, it's it's almost there. These are verifiable facts, wouldn't you say, Anton? Oh, absolutely. And I think this is possibly the smartest way Nintendo could do this, is instead of, you know, splintering their marketplace into having, you know, games only run on one or the other and making it more powerful, if they can physically just make the Switch experience better, it's the best way for them to do that. And I've recently been playing a lot of games on the, the Razer Kishi and then on my iPhone. And, you know, having a screen that is OLED, it's like, it just does such a good difference, even if it's something that's available on both. And yeah, even going back to the PlayStation Vita, the blacks on that screen, it just, you know, it, you know, the Vita was 720p, I believe, maybe slightly less, it may have been about 560p or something. But, you know, it just looked so immersive. Let's say if you're playing in Chard and you're in a tomb, you, you know this very well, Mike, it just yeah. really helps the games. <laughs> yes, it does. It's um, I think the OLED screen um, on the original Vita was one of my favourite screens of all time. It's a stunning um, piece of kit. In fact, probably ahead of where we were at that point. It was very ahead of its time. So uh, I would love to see an OLED um, display with um, with with a, and the new Switch. And I think um, consuming less battery that's a really attractive point as well. Um, I'd really like to see. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to really come down to, are we? I think we talked about this last week. Is it going to be an, an if, uh, update? You know, like a an Apple kind of situation where they add a few things and everything's the same essentially, or is it going to be an actual different console with different potential games? And and I think I, I do think they'll go down that route where it's, um, where it'll where it'll be more of a 
the console that will eventually have electrical games that, that are only for the Switch Pro. I do think that's what's going to happen with it. But I have to say, I'm quite, in, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see where it goes, and I'm, I'm really excited about the possibility as well. To me, the major benefit of having OLED is that, in theory, it should be a lot more visible outside. Because, I mean, I've complained mm. about the Switch before. When you're outside, you just can't see it. The glare is too much. But OLED being brighter, generally speaking, the Samsung OLED screens work quite well when you're in daylight. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that might fix what, to me, is one of the Switch's biggest flaws. That and obviously Joy-Con drift, which the screen is not going to do anything about. But hey one one problem at a time. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, if they're... From the sounds of it, you know, thinning down the bezels, which going up to a seven-inch screen, to me, sounds like they're just pushing the, the screen right up to the edges. I think we'll do a great deal in making the Switch feel a lot more contemporary, especially when you're comparing it to, let's say, some of the tablets and, you know, your iPhones of the world where the bezels are like a millimeter now. Um, you know, I think it's going to help the Switch feel contemporary much longer. And, yeah, I think it's going to do a lot to just make it feel like a newer console. And especially once... You know, every single, so many phones, like even cheap 200 pounds Samsung phones have these OLED screens on it. It'll make the Switch not look as bad by comparison, which is, you know, fantastic. Exactly. Our last rumour of the week. Well, who who's ready to be ignored again, frankly? I mean, I'll be honest. Uh... This is like the annual sigh. <laughs> <laughs> Our friends over at Atlas are yet again asking fans what games they want ported to the Switch in a new survey. I've lost track how many times we've said this. They they ask every single year and every year they get the same answer and every year they ignore it. Why? Yeah. <laughs> like, I I don't know why they asked last time. It's so bizarre. Like, they ported Persona 4 Golden to PC? Cool. And it was a PS Vita game stretched out to a PC. But what are they doing? Why are they asking I mean, us if they're not going to take they also, them? Like, isn't like they took... Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I, was, I know. It's okay. I'm going to let you rant. It's just it, they know the answer. They, they know the answer. I would say, basically, if you do the first three Personas as a collection, you then do Persona 4 Golden, and then you do Persona 5. There you go. Sorted. That's what people want. But... They're just, I don't know, it's like they're doing it deliberately just to hack everyone off. Maybe, maybe yep. they're actually getting actual responses to these surveys, but they're not what we think they are. Or maybe there's a whole lot of people out there deliberately messing with it. Like the PlayStation community, every time this comes out, go, oh, quick, we've got to mess up this. Ha, ah, we can't, get, can't let these Switch <laughs> people have our game. And they all get on and vote for random things. I mean, they have done some pretty random games. I mean, they did the Karate Kid back in 1987 on the NES. So, you know, mm. Spud's Adventure on the Game Boy, that was Wacky Races. I'm just going through a few of the older games, but, you know, there's plenty of games there. So, you know, some of the Saturn stuff as well. They did quite a few Sega Saturn games. So, you know, maybe people are going for different stuff than what we expect, but I just have this feeling if they're probably going to find that Persona 5 is quite high up there. Snowboard Kids, there was one. What console was that on? Yeah. N64, Snowboard Kids 2. I think I may have had that. It sounds really... Is that the one that had the big bobbleheads? I have a feeling it was. Yeah, I think so. So, there you go. <laughs> I've forgotten all about that. I don't even know where that laugh came from. That was a weird laugh that emanated from my face there. <laughs> 
you're you're slowly getting younger. It was the, the spirit of youth being passed on to you. You remember your childhood, so you got a, a high pitched laugh for us. What one one last uh, uh, curveball for Atlas? They did Disney's Winnie the Pooh preschool game on the PlayStation, but it translates in Japanese to Kuma no Poo-san, Mori no Nakamato. Maybe they'll bring that. Probably more likely than Persona. Probably, yeah. I put my money on it. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we move on to the quiz? I have so many questions. Lovely. Well, we're currently sitting at Anton 7, Mike 6. Although Mike, last week, if I remember, was very, very angry because he felt he was unjustifiably... I wasn't angry. <laughs> disappointed, which was worse than being angry. You know when you're at school and your mum says, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. That's how I felt. <laughs> to be fair, uh, yes. Yes, I think it was justified. You did do very, very well, but technically, yes, Anton did beat you. Therefore, he got the points. <laughs> Evil. He did. He did. It's fine. Let's, Fair and let's see if you can bring it back this week. Who knows? It's it's all to play for in this thrilling and riveting ongoing competition of wits, skills, knowledge, and... Uh, Who can beat Anton? Pretty much, <laughs> yep. And the answer to that is the Discord, because they always beat you hands down. Yeah, they, <laughs> they win easily. <laughs> All right, yeah. our first game this week is a sports game developed by Nintendo R&D and published by Nintendo. I'm going to leave it there. Guess away. It's Mario Strikers. It is not Mario Strikers. Um, Mario's Golf. No... Released in right. 1992 in the EU and 1991, sorry, elsewhere. Super Mario Golf. No. Um, Mario Golf Game Boy. No. You're all in the right ballpark, but unless you get the right name, you ain't getting the point. A very similar game with fewer, um, well, I was going to say arenas, tracks or courses, but you've already narrowed down the game, with uh, fewer courses, was released on the Famicom Disk system in 1987. It was significantly harder and uh, had largely a different soundtrack, um, but was definitely a precursor to this game. Nintendo Golf. Uh, virtual no Golf. and no. You played as Mario for player one and Luigi as player two. Advice was given from Princess Peach and Daisy, and Donkey Kong was an accountant who, used to, who secured the prize money for you. Golf. Not golf, but you're um, getting closer. That was an earlier, oh. earlier version of this game. Yes, I know, but... Uh, okay, I think I know what it is. Uh, Mario Golf 3D. No. The box art had Mario hitting a ball and narrowly missing a mole. Super Golf. Mario's Super Golf. No. Um. Oh, uh, golf club world. No, that was my last clue. <laughs> it's a zero zero. The actual game was Nez Open Tournament Golf, which I owned. I had this game. I thoroughly enjoyed I it. I can picture the artwork in my head. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't hate the artwork. I hate you. I mean, you were both okay. so yeah, so close from the very first, <laughs> very first outset there. But uh, no, and yeah. apparently the game that. Uh, preceded it on the Famicom disc system was called Mario Open Golf so you were oh. painfully close but you didn't get the right answer I'm afraid onwards okay. to our second game also developed by Nintendo more specifically by Nintendo's entertainment oh. analysis department in 1990 bring it there again fire away um, Fire Emblem not Fire Emblem Anton want to take a stab 
Super Mario World. It is not. It was published by Nintendo and it was a launch title on the SNES. Final Pilot Fantasy. Wings? Pilot Wings! Well done. That was impressive. Why, thank you. <laughs> that I was. Remember, the SNES only had like two launch titles and it was like Mario and Pilot Wings. And then they did the exact same trick again with the, the N64 where they put all Pilot Wings that people didn't really want at the time, but was actually a really good game. Yeah, I had that <laughs> game as well. I had both, both versions of it and thoroughly enjoyed them. They were very calming. It was. A weird game because it was incredibly frustrating but very calming at the same time. Mm. Very few games managed to pull that off. Yeah, and again, Overcooked. Another... Yes. That's another good example. <laughs> Although that's slightly less calming and more just irritating and annoying and making you want to throw your controller out the window or at the nearest head. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's still less frustrating than Mike and his audio problems ongoing, but never mind. Yeah, well, quite indeed. Uh, just in, if you're curious, <laughs> the other clues I was going to give you are that it was an amateur flight simulation game. It was followed up in ni- uh, 1996 with an N64 game and in 2011 with a 3DS version of it. And it had <clears throat> revolutionary 3D graphics at the time, which you made use of Nintendo's Mode 7. You know what that is, Anton? <clears throat> uh, indeed, it was like basically Mode 7 was a technology to scale fright sprites, which couldn't be done on any other consoles which gave a 3d effect spot on which i believe did they not use with doom as well did they not was that the same thing they used to to port doom over to the snes i think so they would have needed to have done it for the snes port i don't think it was involved with like the pc version but definitely the snes one would have been on mode 7 no i'm, pr- I'm pretty sure and i'm pretty sure the snes cartridge was bigger or something to cope with it or i can't remember exactly but i have it upstairs so i'll look ah, that's that's kind of awesome <clears throat> there was also there's another bit when i was doing my research it came across a bonus level in that game where you uh you were flying an attack helicopter i don't remember that at all hmm. did either of you actually play the game the original pilot wings uh, not the original i was uh n64 I so. and 3ds one which the 3ds game was brilliant yeah, it was very good. I mean, it was a very good example of what could have been with the 3DS, with the 3D um, element of it. I remember playing it and thinking, wow, this is really cool. It really doesn't sort of um, bother your eyes too much, surprisingly. But um, yeah, interesting game. Awesome. All right, well, Anton is currently up by one point. Let's see if uh, Mike can draw. So, draw. <laughs> or just, that was bad. Anyway, I'll try that again. <laughs> <laughs> this week's game, closest to the pin, what year was Super Bomberman released in the US, not in Japan. Okay. Who's going first? Uh, I'm going to make Anton go first. Uh, let's go for 1993. Ah, that's what I was going to go with. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that narrows it slightly, which is annoying. Um, I'll go 92 but I suspect it is 93 because that was my instinct and unfortunately for Mike you were both spot on it was 1993 did you know that for a fact Anton or was that a guess uh, that was a, a wild guess I'm like if I go for 93 it gives me more options on the other side <laughs> <laughs> it was. Like, annoyingly for me that is probably one that I would have been 70 80 percent sure of so had i gone first that time i would have said 93 without a doubt oh, oh, well. so sorry 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 mike <laughs> i uh, i tried to give you the, the well benefit done, there, but uh you were done by anton's Fine. amazing shrewdness and game knowledge slash 
guessing about yes, too much well credit. Done, Anton, once again. What I hadn't realised is there were two, or actually there were quite a few Bomberman games before Super Bomberman came out. It was the first one I was aware of, but there was actually a NES game, Bomberman, and there was Bomberman 2 and a whole ton of other Bomberman games. Did, did you guys know that? Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a weird franchise. It's had a lot of sequels, but not everybody raves about it. From what I hear, up until the Switch version, the best version of that game was like on the Sega Saturn, and it had like eight-player multiplayer via like two multi-taps. It's a mad title. I'm just counting them up. So before we got to Super Bomberman on the SNES, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine versions of Bomberman before we what? actually got to Super Bomberman. And the first one was 1985, and that was on the NES. Their very first Bomberman was on the NES. Then Crazy. in 87 came Bomber King, Bomber Boy, Bomberman, 1990, Bomberman Arcade Game, Bomberman 2, Bomberman King Scenario 2, Bomberman World Arcade Game, Bomberman 93, and then finally we get Super Bomberman. I was unaware of any of these games previously before that. And when you look through the whole sort of group of them, in fact, there's so many, I can't count them. There are literally, there must be, what, 50 games there? There's so many Bomberman. Except those weird... I I officially feel dizzy. Yeah, there was a weird uh, sort of void of them. Between 2010 and 2017, they didn't make a single one. Then they made Bomberman R in 2017, and then there was nothing until they made Bomberman R online last year. Weird franchise. Anyway... That is uh, yeah. Anton now on Great game, seven though. six, but who knows? Next week, Mike managed Mike might get his two points and uh, it'll be eight six yes, now. He's now eight six, but next week you might manage to uh, draw level again. Absolutely, yeah, yeah I might. <laughs> well done, Anton. I thank you. Far too kind. <laughs> Would you like to close us out, Mike? <laughs> um, okay. Thank you very much once again to everybody for your continued support. We thoroughly, thoroughly appreciate every single one of you and a huge shout to our Patreons, particularly the ones that have stuck with us when we record these live and we have to do 16 false starts for whatever reason that may be. Um, remember nsukp.co.uk forward slash support dash us. You get all the details. If you want to come and join us as one of our Patreon supporters, we really appreciate it. All the money that comes in goes straight back on to making sure that the podcast can happen. We have a, an amazing Discord. Uh, we've got a few new people in the Discord as well recently, so it's been uh, it's been even more active. Not everyone's on there, but if you are kind of on the fence, I uh, promise you everyone is very friendly. Indeed. And if you don't know how to get on, if you're already a Patreon, just drop me a message or Twitter it or just contact us. We'll help you get on. It's fine. Excellent stuff. Absolutely. Excellent stuff. You're the host, Al. <laughs> yeah, I think if... <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you're in the hot seat. Well, let's, let's pass over to Anton. Anton, give us all the various social contacts. Where can people find us? Of course. If you would like to get in contact, we are available at NSUKP Pod- Podcast. Uh, that's Twitter and Facebook. And email podcast at nsukp.co.uk. And you can contact Alistair directly there. Uh, me and Mike don't do the email, but we do do the Twitter very well. You said do do. <laughs> um, I I actually, to be fair, I have been kind of a little more active on the email. Just at least what I should say is I get an update if there's an email now, which is helpful. Just in case there's something that's oh yeah, me urgent. too. Yeah, I thought I better get on signed in, get into 2021. You know, uh, and that, yeah, that's I can put it. My feet thank up you so much. And relax. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. We will be back in your ears next week. Anton and Mike will be back uh, this week with a roundup, I believe. Is that right? It is. And cor- uh, correct, correct, I meant. <laughs> yes. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for sticking with us, folks. We'll see you later. For now, cheerio. Bye. Or bye.